a series called The Story, and um, we're, basically we're going through the entire Bible, not today, don't worry, um, just one part of it today, um, and uh, we've been doing this since last year, and it has been a, a real journey for us to kind of go through what we consider to be the story, and that is the story of all of us, and um, so we're, we're the point now in our story um, where Jesus has come to earth, and uh, we're excited about kind of digging a little deeper into that today. So before we get started, one of the things that we do um, at church here before our sermon, especially every week, is just uh, close our eyes and kind of take a deep breath. If you're, if you believe in God this morning, um, then this is the time to kind of make sure you're centered, make sure that you're right, make sure you get some perspective. If you're kicking the tires, trying to decide if you believe in God, this is a good time to just kind of take a deep breath and go, all right, God, if you're there, do something. (laughs) And I'm listening. And so a lot of us, um, this would be the first time you've done this this week, just to take a stop um, in your moment, in your week. And uh, I want to do that right now, and then I'll close us in prayer, and we'll jump right into our sermon this morning. God, it's easy for us to lose perspective on who we are. It's easy for us to get so buried in the details of our stories that we miss the big picture. Obviously, the the grand picture is that you have a plan for all of history that is in its final chapter. And God, the the story of our lives individually, we pray you give us perspective on today. That we'd be able to make the next right choice. That those of us who have lived off the path that we know leads to where you want us to be would join it again today. Father, I just feel compelled today to pray for those among us today who are depressed, who feel lost in the sea of life. Praying you would give them a deep breath this morning. Thank you for this message, for the word, for the way that it's traveled through history to end up in our laps today, and pray that you would be honored by it in your son's name. Amen. When I was a a kid, um, I went to Gosport Christian Church. Um, Allegra was there at that point. Actually, I think Allegra had been there a long time when I was there, 30 years ago. Um, that Gosport was, uh, was where I grew up in the faith. It's where a Gosport Christian Church is where my grandfather was a preacher, my dad was a youth minister, um, my grandmother was my Sunday school teacher, and uh, she had a huge Sunday school class of sometimes one person, and that was me. And she would show up on Sundays prepared like there was a huge class full of people, and she would say, students, now if you would pr- bow with me in prayer, and then she would ask questions, and I'd have to raise my hand, and I'd be the only one there. She is a big part of the reason that I love um, the Bible the way that I do today. But um, one of the things that I loved about church at that point um, really didn't have anything to do with God. It didn't have anything to do with the songs or with the building or with any of that. But it was my dad. My dad was and still is the best storyteller I have ever known. Amazing storyteller. He can, he can take a boring situation out of life and make it so interesting. Um, and I, I've kind of tried to learn to tell stories the way he does. There's an art to it, and he is an artist. We had an old Chevy, and basically my dad would get us in the car in this Chevy, and on the way to church would tell us 
um, the st- different stories. And sometimes they'd be true stories. Usually they were Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. And basically we got to the point where he started telling my brother and I, and he would tell Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. And we lived in Ellettsville at the time. And by, about the time we got to the old bridge on, on uh, County Line Road, you know, going back to Gosport, um, that old bridge. Now, not the new one. You, some of you don't even know what the old bridge looked like. But we, we'd get to that old bridge, and about the time the tires would hit the old bridge, you'd hear that, the car, you know. And in that car, it was boom, 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 a piece of junk car before seatbelts, you know, and we're all bouncing around in the car. And that's when my dad would get real loud with the story, and that's when Engine Joe would be chasing Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn through the caves. If you're, this is lost on you, then you, you've missed a really important part of American history. Um, but uh, but he, he ramped up the story at just the right time, and and we would pull into Gosport, and I, I, the part of me would hate to see the Gosport sign because I know the story was coming to a close for the day. We'd pull into the Gosport, or to the, uh, the Gosport Christian Church parking lot, and my dad would, would, it would just be when Injun Joe almost has Huckleberry Finn by the leg, and they're hanging off a cliff, and my dad would go, and next week I'll tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> no! But it got us to a point where we start inviting our friends. And by the time, the end, by the end of the summer, when I was in fourth grade, our entire neighborhood was packing into my dad's Chevy. And at that point, you could get 15, 18 third graders in a, in a Chevy because you didn't have to have a seatbelt. A kid's popped up in the little window and everybody listening to the story. The very worst kid in our neighborhood, who spent a lot of time in jail, by the way, when he got older, would listen to my dad tell the story of Huckleberry Finn and, and Tom Sawyer and Injun Joe. And it got these kids to church. Many of them are preachers today. Many of them are in church today because of my dad and the way he told stories. And I want to tell you that today because I believe there is something in all of us that needs a story. We need a good story. We need something to listen to. Uh, One of the things that I do in my life when life gets really stressed, I have an anxiety problem in my life. Um, I've been dealing with it since I was a little kid. I still struggle with it. It's getting, I'm, I'm learning how to deal with it. One of the tools that I've learned to deal with it is movies. And if, I, if life gets really, really hard for me and I get con- totally consumed with anxiety, Risha and I will go see a movie. And the more explosions, the better, you know? It doesn't even have to be a good movie. Things have been really hard and stressful at work for me recently. And Risha took me to see Iron Man 3 last Sunday afternoon. And for two and a half hours... I just, my, I was totally desensitized by explosions and robots. I mean, it was just, it was insane. And for, for two and a half hours, I unplugged from life and I walked away with a story. The story was, eh, you know how it is. The explosions were, yeah. And we walked away talking about the, the story. Even in the midst of multi-million dollar explosions and sound effects, and it's really the story that I'm most interested in. And the, the same is true of you, if you think about it. This is why we read books. This is why we go to movies. There is something about story that drives us, that moves us, that motivates us, that changes us. I've seen movies that I still think of today um, that have changed me in one way or the other. God knows, and not only does God know, but God implanted that in us. He implanted the impact of story in who we are. That's why this whole sermon series called The Story, which is a book, um, and it looks just like that. The cover of it looks like that. It's a book that takes us through the entire Bible. It's really just the Bible. It's the same stories I've heard my whole life, but it's all packed together, and it's, it's in chronological order, so it reads like one story. It is changing my life. Again, these same stories, but, 
but packaged together in a full story so that I can see where I fit in this picture. This is how God has created us. He has made us impassioned for this. And when he sent Jesus, we're the part, part of the history now of the, of, of the world, where God has sent Jesus. Basically, life has gotten, so, people have gotten so far from God, and even the people that he has chosen and said, I'm going to bless you, the, the Israelites, they've gotten far from God, and they've started to make up rules. Um, and this really gets on God's nerves, by the way, when it's still happening. When people who are supposed to be following God make up rules and attribute them to God. This is what was happening at this point in history. A whole group of people who the world had seen as the people who God had blessed. These were the Israelites that we now call the Jews. This group of people had some religious leaders that liked the power that came with being a religious leader. And they would make up these little rules. It always started with one of God's big rules, and then they made up these small rules. And if you were new to the faith, you felt like if you didn't obey their little rules, you were disobeying God. And this made God really mad, because here's the thing about God. He's not, first and foremost, about rules. And there is this thing in us as humans, and this is what we do as humans. When we think about God, we think about rules. When we think about God, we think about punishment. When we think about God, we think of, a, uh, of somebody that's in, we always think of him as up there somewhere. We think of him as, and I even heard it on the NBA basketball game the other night, somebody said he's praying to the man upstairs. We talk about the man upstairs. We talk about him being up there. We need him to be someplace specific. But when we say upstairs, we know that there is space beyond what we even know of. So when we say God is up there somewhere, he must be above that, which means he is far far from me and it makes us feel disconnected from him and when we think about God we think about him sitting somewhere with a gavel and maybe uh, one of those batons that the police officers have and a whistle and just ready to blow the whistle on us and make punishment to us. that's human nature but the thing about God is it's not who he is and so he basically came to say you know what this has become a mess and I'm coming down there he rose up people over and over and over throughout the story that would represent him to everybody. So these, they were called priests at the time. These priests would, would God had blessed them, and if, if you needed something from God, if you wanted something, if you wanted to pray that God would take care of your son or your family or something specific in your life, you would go to the priest and you would say, I'm going to sacrifice this animal, and then would you go on my behalf and ask God for these things for me? And this is the way that, that people did this with God. And God gets to a point in the story, and we've been through all of that, and we've studied that. And if, you, if you're curious about that, you should go to our website, and listen to, you can listen to every sermon in this series, and you can hear about that, and you can read the story. But we're at the point now where God has said, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of people making up rules and attributing them to me. I'm tired of the way people think about who I am. So I'm, I'm not going to send priests this time on my behalf. I'm going down. I'm going to go there. And when he did that, there's a very specific word for it used in the Bible, and the word is Emmanuel, and it means God with us. Basically, God came near. He came close to us. He chose to come, and this is a, a, an amazing thing, but he chose to be born um, by a very normal woman in a very normal place and even a grosser-than-normal environment, and he came into the world very unannounced in that way. And they, angels did announce it, but they announced it to the most strange, the sta- strangest group of people on the earth at that point. They were shepherds who were far from God. They were dirty. They seemed to be fur- further from religion and God. And I believe that's why God chose them. Because he was saying, even as he sent Jesus, that 
you guys have it upside down. You have it backwards. So then Jesus would grow up, and as he grew up, he seemed to be, you know, I don't know how else to say this, but he was weird. Jesus was weird. Now, I don't mean weird in that way that that Christians can be weird sometimes, where we are so religious that everything becomes a spiritualized thing. I'll never forget the time um, I was with a friend who does that over-spiritualizing thing where everything has to be spiritual, and we went into McDonald's, and we ordered a a bag of food. And I mean, you you know, sometimes you go to McDonald's, and you just feel like, just give me 20 bucks worth of food. It's all the same. Take kind of, you know, and we walked in, and we ordered specifically, and we got in the car, and we didn't think about it. We got home, and there, we had this whole big bag of food, and it was completely the wrong food. And we opened it up, and it was somebody else's bag, and the guy, the guy that is always over-spiritualizing things just went, <sighs> I was like, well, it's not that big a deal. We'll just eat it. And he goes, no, you just don't understand. <laughs> when I ordered, I ordered a quarter pounder, but I knew inside of me that I wanted a Big Mac, and God gave me a Big Mac instead of a quarter. <laughs> Shut up. It's a stupid, it's a Big Mac. And if God was going to give you something, it wouldn't be a Big Mac, let me tell you. You know people like this. I don't mean weird like that. That's not the kind of weird Jesus was. Here's the kind of weird Jesus was. He would go to some place, and there would be people who had a disease called leprosy. Okay, Leprosy was this disease that at the time people thought was so contagious, and it was contagious. It wasn't quite as crazy as people had thought. But at that point, they thought that leprosy was so contagious that if you got close enough to somebody, just their breath could give you leprosy. And leprosy was this terrible, terrible disease where it grew in your body. There's still leprosy in the world. Um, and it would grow quickly in your body and limbs would fall off and things would decay while you're living. And it was a terrible, terrible disease. And it would cause blindness and it caused deafness. And it was an awful thing for people to have. And if you were a leper at this point in history, in fact, we even use the phrase now, he's like a leper, which means he's an outcast. Nobody wants to be around him. Nobody wants to talk to him. And this is the way lepers were treated at this point in history. Jesus came to earth. This is the guy who is God. He is supposed to be the next king of the world. People consider him to be, if he is who he says he is, the Messiah, the one who will save us all. Shouldn't he be going to the king? Shouldn't he be going to people who matter? He went to, intentionally went to the very people who were the very hardest to look at in all of society. And not only did he go to them, because there were good people at this point in history that did this. People like, you know, Mother Teresa was later, but people like Mother Teresa who had a heart for God, who had a real heart for people, and they would go into the leper communities with their hands behind their back, and they would say, I'm praying for you, and then walk out slowly. Jesus didn't do that. He walked into these leper communities. It's amazing what he did. First person in history to do this on a regular basis. Walked into these leper communities, and he would take somebody's face. And that's the hardest part about a leper, is that their face is so hard to look at and you want to get so far from it he would take their hand their face in his hands and often would kiss their face and would heal them this is weird especially considering that he healed a lot of people without even being in the same room with them he didn't have to touch the person to heal them he did it to make a point that we have it backwards the people that are lowest in our community The people that we walk by, the people that are a little socially awkward, that we kind of step around when we go places, those are the ones that God goes to first. In fact, Jesus would say later, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. 
That was a really weird thing to say at that point in history, especially to a group of people who were the first in the community. He was looking to a, a, a group of people who were, who were driving up their limos going, you know what, you think you got it, but right now in the kingdom, you are on the bottom. You are zero. And that guy over there that you won't even look at and talk to, that you think is weird and is leper, he's number one. This was weird. A weird, weird message that Jesus gave. And as we go through this this morning, I want, I want you to see that what Jesus did was that he came to, to give us a message that was so weird that it will change the way you live your life. And here's the problem today, that many of us will walk out of this place normal. We just will. We do every week. We'll walk out of this place, we'll sing songs about Jesus, we'll, we'll say things, we'll pray. You may even come back and pray with me. Then you'll go home and you'll live just like everybody else. Nothing in your life changes. And then you'll wonder when life gets really hard, why isn't it different for me? And Jesus says, if you live differently, you'll see the way God intended for life to be done from the beginning. Check this out. I've got to get going. I haven't gone to my first slide yet. Next slide. So Jesus, this is what he does. He comes to earth and he, he uses, this is why I love the person of Jesus. It sounds funny for a preacher to say, but I don't just love Jesus because I have to. I love his, who he was as a teacher and as a human. He, he found out that people love stories. He knew that people love stories. And not only do they love stories, but that stories can impact us forever. Some of the sermons that I've preached, some of the funerals that I've preached in my life have been some of the most impact on me that I've ever had. I remember sitting with the Barnes family when Norman passed in their living room, and you see a group of people just telling one story after another. Honestly, I don't remember what I preached at that funeral. I don't remember a thing but I can tell you all the stories that they told me that night. <laughs> and, and they impacted me. And that same is true with a lot of us, that we remember stories, we don't remember things often. So what Jesus did is he went in and he didn't preach sermons. This is what I try to remember as a preacher, that my job is not to get up here and throw up a bunch of information in your face. This is not what Jesus did. He didn't preach sermons. He went in and he told stories. And so as we get to this point in, in our overall story that we're reading, where Jesus begins his ministry. And when he does, he heals people, he does some miracles, but more than that, he tells these stories that last in people. They last for a long time. Matthew chapter 13, verse 13, somebody finally says to him, Jesus, what's with all the stories? Why do you tell all these stories? Listen to what he says. This is why I speak to them in picture stories. He calls them, in his language, picture stories. And that is a story that has a picture that just gets imprinted in your mind. This is why I speak to them in picture stories. They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they do not hear. And they do not understand. It happened in their lives as Isaiah, who was a, an old-time prophet in our story, said it would happen. He said, you hear and hear, but do not understand. You look and look, but you don't see. The hearts of these people have become fat. Maybe it's the Big Macs. They hear very little with their ears. They've closed their eyes. And if they did not do this, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts. Then they would be able, they would, look at this last sentence. The reason Jesus tells them stories, then they would be changed in their ways and I would heal them. The goal of Jesus' stories is not that you have a cold chill when it's done. Not that you go, ooh, that was a good story. This is, Jesus was not a writer for chicken soup of the soul. That's not interesting to him. 
He wants something. He wants to tell a story that every time you see whatever he's talking about or whatever he's doing, whatever time you see it, it will change your behavior. It will change the way you live your life. It will lead you to the next thing. If you leave this place on a Sunday morning and you don't have at least one of those things, I'm hoping you get two every week, one or two of those things, that when you see it in the week or when you hear it or when you remember it, it changes your behavior. It makes you think differently. It makes you do something different. Then I am missing it. The idea of Jesus, he was amazing. I mean, he was God, okay? But he was amazing with stories, and he would tell these stories. He would, he'd be walking somewhere, and he'd go, you know, we just read it, so we don't know the whole context. I wish we had video of it. But he'd be walking with a whole bunch of guys, and a shepherd would come by. And I've been to Israel. This happens all the time. A shepherd comes by with a whole flock of sheep just walking down the road. You know, it's crazy. And a shepherd would come by, which is not a weird thing, and all these people would be following Jesus to see what he was going to do next and see what he was going to say next. And as the shepherd would come by, he'd go, you know what? Um, God is more concerned with one sheep, and just about then, a sh- one sheep would go out into the field. And when he, with a, one sheep would go out in the field, the shepherd would, and I've seen this happen, would tie up the rest of the sheep, just tie them all up as much as he could, or push them all into a place. If, if he had them, just kind of push them into an area, tie them up, a little fences, and then he would run as hard as he could towards the one sheep that would go away. He would, so Jesus was walking down the road and he, he had this big group of people and he'd say, this is, this is you. The one sheep that's running out into the field, God will let the rest sit and run after the one sheep. Now, that sounds like a great story to us and we paint pictures of it and we do things with it. But if you lived in that day and age, you remember that right now, you go, oh man, that's neat. <laughs> Jesus said that, it gives me a cold chill, that's a chicken soup for the soul kind of a moment. And you forget it, truthfully. Okay, what's Jesus going to do next? But Tuesday, when you're not with Jesus, and you're walking down a different road, and a shepherd comes by with sheep, you go, huh, sheep and God and me, and if I go away, that God's coming after me? And Jesus had this knack for tying stories to real life, and he did that today. Here's what I'm hoping to do for you today. I'm hoping to do the same thing for you today. I'm, don't plan on me being like Jesus in that way, okay? Um, because I, but I'm going to do the best you can, I can today to tell you some of these stories that Jesus told in some of the background. He says, basically, the goal is to change your behavior. And do you see what he says? Change your ways and be, you know, healed. We think of as, a, you know, that you were sick and now you're better, and that's part of this thing. But Jesus says that there is a sickness among all of us. We're born with it. It's part of the sin that we're born into. It's it's a sickness, and basically the sickness means that we are going after something. We're striving for something that we can't fill, we can't find outside of him. So we buy trucks, and we buy stuff, and we try to fill it with sex and with drugs and with all kinds of things, and it never really satisfies us. This is what Jesus means. He says, if you listen to this thing, if you listen with your ears and with your heart, and then he calls them fat hearts, which I think is funny. you got big fat hearts. They're full of so many things you can't even let real things in. He says, if you really listen, you will be healed. Healed. And not, not necessarily physically, maybe sometimes. But that thing that you want, that hole in your life, will be filled. Next slide. Uh, go on one more. I've kind of been through that. Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. Jesus tells the first story that I want to talk about today. He's, he's walking by, and, and you know, we're just sort of imagining what's happening, but this is the way Jesus taught. I wish that we could kind of do life together, and we could walk by, and you know, maybe we're walking through Martinsville, and we walk by the, you know, the, the old uh, 
the old uh, Kmart that used to be there in that area, and, and, I, and I, as I stop, I say, you know, you know, fellow friends and uh, travelers with me of new life, life is like the old Kmart, you know? And every time you went by the old Kmart, you would think of whatever I said. I wish we could do that. I can't do that the way Jesus did, but that's what he did. He walked with people, and he talked with people. And at this point, he must have been walking by a field where a farmer was sowing seed and, and, and throwing out seed. Now, it was different than the way we do it today. Um, John Deere wasn't quite that, isn't quite that old, wasn't around at that point. So there, there, there weren't tractors. They had to do things differently. And at this point, um, Jesus was probably watching a farmer with a bag full of seed dropping seed out in his field. And at this point in history, too, man, if you go through Israel today, it's still this way. The fields don't look like our field. They're not tilled up. They're not black, rich soil. Sometimes they're like field and then concrete and then some dirt patch where their kids play and then and they just drop seed over all of it hoping that anything grows on anywhere they go so that's what's happening jesus is watching this and he's with a whole big group of people and here's what he says jesus taught them many things by using picture stories and he says a man went out to plant seeds and this is awesome because it's i wish i had video of this this is what they would they would have gone yeah i see jesus man like planting seeds like this as he planted the seeds some fell on the side of the road Probably people all watch these seeds fall aside the side of the road. The birds came and ate them. Bird comes down. You know, Jesus is almost narrating this whole thing. Birds came and ate the seeds. Some seeds fell between rocks. The seeds came up, and at once there were there was so little ground. Or I mean, the seeds came up at once because there was so little ground. When the sun was high in the sky, they dried up and died because they had no root. Some seeds fell among thorns. The thorns grew and did not give the seeds room to grow. Some seeds fell on good ground and gave much grain. Some gave 100 times as much grain. Some gave 60 times as much grain. Some gave 30 times as much grain. You have ears. So everybody's going, same thing you're doing right now. What? What? Everybody's doing that. They're looking at Jesus going, what? And it wouldn't surprise me if somebody in Jesus' language went, huh? Because the next thing Jesus says is, you have ears. Listen. And I'm like, all right. I just, I, this is the same feeling I have right now and you have in this room. I, what is, what? Out of context, it doesn't mean much. Jesus wants to get them thinking. He wants to get them applying it to their life. If he just tells them, if he just gives them three points, which is the way I learned to preach, three points and a conclusion and an invitation. If he just gives them three points in a sermon, they don't know how to apply it to their life and they'll forget it. So he tells them this and that confusion and that whatever. And then the next slide, here's what he says. He, he goes on to explain it. Listen to the picture story of a man who planted the seeds on the ground. Now I'm going to explain it to you. <laughs> when anyone hears the word about the holy nation and does not understand it, the devil comes and takes away what was in his heart. He is like the seed that fell by the side of the road. So he's saying basically that we're, we're all listening, and you're all out there right now. I've been praying this today. You're all out there right now, and you have different soil in your life. Some of you have rich soil. You know how you get rich soil? This is what I've learned. The people who are going to walk out of here with, a, with notes today and ready to make actual changes in their life are the people whose lives are hurting. It's the people who God's got attention. That's rich soil. It's the people who have been tilled up. You know what you have to do with ground to make it ready for seed? You have to, I think of that weasel thing that you twist, you know? That's, some of you have lives like that right now. They're twisted and they're but you're taking notes because you've got to try something. You've got to do something. That's the ground that's rich with soil. 
And Jesus says, some of you, the seed, is, the, the ground is so hard. And, I, man, I, I think about all my friends, and I was this way too, the young adults in the room today, college age, high school kids, junior high kids, who think this dude is boring and this stuff, what seeds and birds and what is this stuff? You know what? You've you got hard soil in your life. And I know it. Sometimes you just have to get the weasel in there and tear it up a little bit, and it's coming. I promise you, it just is. But in, Jesus says all the seed is planted like this. Some of you hear it better than others. And he goes on, and now they're going, oh, okay. The seed which fell between the rocks is like the person who received the word with joy as soon as he hears it. Man, I'm going to be real honest with you today. This breaks my heart, and it happens here in this church all the time. He says, it's like the person who hears the word with joy as he hears it. Its root is not deep, and it doesn't last very long. When trouble and suffering comes because of the word, he gives up and falls away. We baptize people that come in, and they come in, and I share a word about hope and joy and peace, and they go, yes, that's what I've been missing. And then we baptize them, and we say, today's the rest, beginning of the rest of the day of your days of your life of forgiveness and peace and hope, and then three weeks go by and I never see them again. And then I read about them in the paper or I hear about something and I know that they've fallen away again. Somehow this happens and I feel personally sometimes responsible for helping this happen. And sometimes it's just life. But basically what he's saying is that sometimes that seed falls on people that it, and the root just doesn't get deep enough. I'd like to create a ministry here at New Life called Roots where we, dig, where we find people. As soon as they get out of the baptistry, somebody's standing there ready to help them dig roots deep. This is what we need around here. If that hits you in the heart today, come see me afterwards, will you? Um, The seed which fell among the thorns is like the person who hears the word, but the cares of this life and the love for money let the thorns come up and do not give the seed room to grow. He wrote that, he said that 2,000 years ago. Many of you right now just got a little weird feeling because that's you. You're sitting in the pew, you want to listen, you want to hear from God, but the worries in this life, maybe even money itself, will choke out the message today that God wants you to hear. Okay, i got to get going. He gives much grain. Verse 23, the seed which fell on good ground is like the one who hears the word and understands it. He gives much grain. Some seeds... Give 100 times as much grain. You know what he means by grain? Later he calls it the fruits of the Spirit. What happens when when the message hits you hard, when the ground is fertile, when your life is fertile and you're ready to hear the message, you know what happens? Things change. My my kids sing this song called um, The the Fruit of the Spirit, and they're learning the fruits of the Spirit, all the things that happen when you actually internalize the message of Jesus. And they sing, the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. No, the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. If you want to be a coconut, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and self. And they know all the fruits of the Spirit, all of them. And I I quit singing it because I'm not sure I remember them all. But (laughs) they know all of them. I love that they're learning this because here's the thing. If you want to know if this message hit you today, if you want to know if the ground in your life is fertile, you know how you tell? The same way you tell when you plant a tomato plant. Is there a tomato? Is there love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control? Is it getting better? 
Are you more patient with your kids? Are you doing better with your family? Are you getting more confidence? Are you getting more faith in your life? If you're not, you're missing something. And i got to tell you today, if you keep coming into this place, this is what happens to soil that doesn't produce fruit. You keep coming into this place, you keep hearing me preach, and you keep not producing fruit. I'm going to ask you right now, elders won't like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Stop coming to church here. Because what happens is, if you keep hearing the word and not changing, your soil is getting harder and harder and harder to penetrate. And it's either me, or it's the environment, or it's something else. But go somewhere where things are changing. Soon, if you hear the word the way Jesus says it, if soon after you hear it, you ought to be popping out fruit. You're really popping out fruit, see a doctor. But if you're... (laughs) Peace, somebody ought to say to you, what is it about you? Joy, you just seem happy. Something seems different about you. This is from internalizing the word of Jesus. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Next slide. The lesson from the lost sheep. Jesus tells about a lost sheep. You hear me say it a little bit. But you've got to hear the context for this. Many of you have seen the pictures. Maybe you didn't know the context. Listen to this. Jesus says all the tax collectors, or Luke says, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming to hear Jesus. This makes religious people really, really mad. When, when the sinners show up, this makes religious people really mad. You know, it's not, that's not true. It's not the sinners, because the religious people like to think that they're looking for sinners. It makes them feel good. In fact, if you've been in a church ever, and you are right now, this is a problem with every church. There's a group of Christians who like to sit in the corner and say, we're going to reach hurting people. We're going to reach people who are far from God. We want to reach, and this is the phrase they use, the lost Jesus got tired of hearing that phrase. We want to reach the lost. And what Jesus said, now listen to this. Jesus said, those of you who are trying to reach the lost, guess what? You're the lost. They're more found than you are. Because you're arrogant and you're pompous and you think it's all about you. And you bring it in. And, you, and we, I've seen this in every, a lot of churches I've been in in my life and on staff on where we sit and we want to talk about it. We want to help the lost. We want to help hurting people. We want to bring people into our building that hurt. But what about the walls getting scratched up? It sounds like a great idea until stuff starts getting broken. It sounds like a great idea until my church stops looking like church. And it starts looking like the YMCA. And then we have to take a step back and go, what are we really doing? May, you know what? Can we, can we compromise a little bit? Can we let them in here? But let's make them like us, okay? And Jesus goes, no, the, this is not the heart of God. This is a huge message to us today. It's a huge message to the religious people at the time. He says this, those proud religious law keepers and the teachers of the law began to speak against Jesus because the, the, what Jesus did is he came and he went and found the worst of the worst in all the cases, in all the situations. When I found out that, uh, that, that um, Paragon School has one of the highest rate, rates of, uh, of free lunch in all of the state of Indiana, I thought, praise God, we are right in the middle of this. This is where God wants us to be because we're in a church here where we have said we're going to help hurting kids at all costs. And they're in our lap. <laughs> they're right here. These families, these hurting kids are right in our lap. Jesus came to earth and he didn't go after the people who were easy to be with. He went with the hurting, the lost, the messed up people. And the religious people said, that guy is an evil person. He's hanging out with evil people. Look what Jesus said. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus said, I want to tell you a picture story. What if one of you had 100 sheep 
and you lost one of them, would you not leave the 99 in the country and go back and look for the one which was lost until you find it? Would you find it? And when you find it, you are happy as you carry it back on your shoulders. Then you would go to your house and call your friends and neighbors. You would say to them, be happy with me because I have found my sheep that was lost. I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven because of one sinner who is sorry for his sins and turns from them than for 99 people right with God who do not have sins to be sorry for. And the religious people went, well, that's not fair. And they walked away. And Jesus goes, good, because I was tired of looking at your judgmental faces and I'm going back to the party where the hurting people are. It's weird, isn't it? It's backwards. You say, well, that's not religion. You're right. Jesus was, was far, as far from religion as he could distance himself. And we've embraced it somehow in our culture. The message of the lost sheep is this. God is relentlessly pursuing those who have strayed from him. One of the pictures I love most about this, a whole other sermon, I love that Jesus says he puts it on his shoulders. You know why? Because the sheep that are most lost by the time they're found, are too tired to walk. They've gotten so far from the pack that emotionally, physically, they're drained. And I know it because I see it in here. I've literally, people when they accept Jesus, they've been so far from God before, or people who have re-accepted Jesus have been so far from God before that when they come in, they come up to these stairs and just collapse. I got nothing left. Jesus says, he paints this picture of people with a, of a shepherd with the sheep over his shoulders. Next slide. The last lesson that Jesus tells in this group of messages is he's talking to these same religious leaders, and I want you to hear this context. It's so important because these religious leaders think that Jesus is here for them. And Jesus says, no, I'm not. I'm not here for you. Look, look what he says. He says, and Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. Everybody goes, oh, okay. The younger son said to his father, father, let me have the part of my family riches that will be coming to me. Now, this is like saying, at this point in history, you have sons, and if you're rich, you give both of them inheritance, but you don't give it to them until they die, and it, unless you choose to give them some money, and you can give their inheritance early. Basically, the son looked up at his dad, who loved him his whole life and was rich, and said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my money. So his dad does it. And everybody in the group would have gone, <gasps> when Jesus said that. Then the father divided all that he owned between his two sons. Soon after that, the younger son took all that he had been given to him, and he went to another country far away. There he spent all he had on wild and foolish things. When all of this money was spent, he was hungry, <coughs> and there was no food in the land. He went to work for a man in this faraway country. His work was to feed the pigs. There's always an animal, farm animal involved with Jesus. He was so hungry, he was ready to eat the outside part of the ears of the corn. The pigs had ate because no one gave him anything. Next slide, Tanya. There is this incredible message that goes along this, and this group of people begin to hate this kid who took all the money from his dad and went away. And they begin to even judge him and say, yep, that's what people do. They just take what doesn't belong to them. And I've heard it around here too. Yep, kids these days, this is what we do. We judge them. And just as you get them all nice and judgmental, Jesus says, now here's what happened next. The son, who is eating pig slop now because he's spent through all his money, goes back home. He has no choice. 
And everybody in the crowd goes, boy, dad's not going to take him back now. And look at this. The son got up and went to his father while he was yet a long way off. You know what that means? That means his father was looking for him. He was waiting for him. While he was a long way off, his father saw him. The father was full of loving pity for him. He ran and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am not good enough to be called your son. But the father said the workman, to the workman he owned, Hurry, get the, be- the best, coast, uh, best coat and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the calf that is fat and kill it. Let us eat and be glad, for my son was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Let us eat and have a good time. And the religious leaders once again go, well, that's not fair. Jesus stops there. And the message is this. For those of you who feel far from home today, you can always come home. You can't get too far from God that you're not welcome home. And he's looking. But but Jesus doesn't stop there. Next slide, check this out. He continues, the older son, who was the good boy, and the religious leaders go, it's about time you got to him. As he was coming near the house, he heard music and dancing. He called out to one of his servants and asked what was happening, and the servant answered, your brother has come back, and your father has killed the fat calf. Your brother is in the house as well. The old brother got angry, and he would not go into the house. (laughs) His father went outside and asked him to come in. The older son said, listen to this, all these many, this many years I've served you, I've always obeyed what you said, but you never gave me a young goat so that I could have a supper and a good time with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came back, you killed the fat calf, and yet he wasted your money with bad women. <laughs> the father said to him, my son, you are with me all the time. All that I have is yours. It's right and good that we should have a good time and be glad. Your brother was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Jesus has a message for those who are lost. If you feel lost today, this is the message for you. You can't get too far away where you're not welcome back home. And the second message is for those of you who have stayed home. You stayed close, but you've been drifting from God's point of view. You've been messed up in the way you've been thinking. And that is this, when your heart aches for those who are lost instead of for yourself, you'll finally get perspective on your life. When you stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about the broken people around you and those who are lost around you, you finally get it. It's weird. It's a strange thing. It goes against everything that's in our brains. But those of you who have just made this decision, those of you who are just choosing this, need to know, that now's the time to to start producing fruit. Now's the time to pray that God will give you the same heartache he has for those that are lost. Check out this this next slide. Jesus says this. He says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. It's the reason he was here. Jesus ate at Levi's house, one of the worst people in the world at that point. Many men who gathered taxes and other sinners came and sat down with Jesus and his followers. There were, there were many following him. Look at this. The teachers of the law and the proud religious law leaders, once again, saw Jesus was eating and gathering with tax collectors and those who were sinners. And they said to his followers, why does he eat and drink with men who gather taxes and with sinners? Jesus heard that, and listen to what he said. I hope this sticks in your brain. Jesus said this. People who are well don't need a doctor. Only those who are sick need a doctor. I've not come to call those who are right with God. I've come to call those who were sinners. Couldn't be any more clear. 
what our job, what our role in our life, in our church is. Band, you guys can come up. I want to give you a couple challenges today from these stories of Jesus. I'd like for you to take a message today from the dirt and listen with your life. If, if you listen with your life, if you, if you make changes with your life, the fruits of the Spirit start to grow with you. It will change who you are. Today, I'd like you to take a message from the sheep and look to draw on those who are lost. Look to just pull them back to the shepherd. And take a message from the lost brother and ask God for a heart for those who are lost. And then I'd like to just give you an opportunity today for those of you who feel lost at life. Maybe you're a Christian who has wandered away, asked for your inheritance early and wandered from it. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus before and you just feel lost in your life. I want to give you an opportunity today to come home. There's a song uh, that Chris is kind of playing through right now. Um, and it's a song that you've heard before. You may not recognize it because it's a little different. It's a song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind and now I see. It's a new version. You're going to hear Chris play it a little different, a little, little different time and a little different rhythm this morning. But um, what I'm hoping that, that you do is act a little differently today on it. That you would give God an opportunity to, to find you where you are and to make a change. I'm going to be right back there in that corner. If you'd like to pray with me, I'd be glad to lead you to that. But if wherever you are right now, just stand up and, and thank God for going to look for you and ask him to give that same heart for those who are lost to you. Would you stand with